0: Life in the Spirit Bible reading, 2 Corinthians 3 We are told that we are to leave the first principles of the doctrine of Christ and go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and the doctrine of baptisms and other first principles, Hebrews 6. What would you think of a builder who was everlastingly pulling down his house and putting in fresh foundations? Never look back if you want the power of God in your life you will find out that in the measure you have allowed yourself to look back you have missed that which God has for you. The Holy Ghost shows us that we must never look back to the law of sin and death from which we have been delivered. God has brought us into a new order of things, a life of love and liberty in Christ Jesus, that is beyond all human comprehension. Many are brought into this new life through the power of the Spirit of God, and then, like the Galatians, who ran well at the beginning, they try to perfect themselves on the lines of legalism. They go back from the life in the Spirit, to a life on natural lines. God is not pleased with this, for He has no place for the man, who has lost the vision. The only thing to do is to repent. Don't try to hover up anything. If you have been tripped upon any line, confess it out, and then look to God. To bring you to a place of stability of faith, where your whole walk will be in the Spirit. We all ought to have a clear conviction that salvation is of the Lord. It is more than a human order of things. If the enemy can move you from a place of faith, he can get you outside the plan of God. The moment a man falls into sin, divine life ceases to flow, and his life becomes one of helplessness. But this is not God's thought for any of his children. Read the third chapter of John's first epistle, and take your place, as a son of God. Take the place of knowing that you are a son of God, and remember that, as your hope is set in Christ, it should have a purifying effect on your life. The Holy Spirit says, Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin, because he is born of God. There is life and power in the seed of the word, that is implanted within. God is in that cannot, and there is more power in that word of his, and in any human objections. God's thought for every one of us is that we shall reign in life by Jesus Christ. You must come to see how wonderful you are in God, and how helpless you are in yourself. God declared himself more mighty than every opposing power when he cast out the powers of darkness from heaven. I want you to know that the same power that casts Satan out of heaven dwells in every man that is born of God. If you would but realize this, you would reign in life. When you see people laid out under an evil power, when you see the powers of evil manifesting themselves, always put the question, did Jesus come in the flesh? I have never seen an evil power answer in the affirmative. When you know you have an evil spirit to deal with you have power to cast it out. Believe it and act on it, for greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. 1 John 4 4 God means you to be in a place of overcoming, and has put a force within you, whereby you may defeat the devil. Temptations will come to all. If you are not worth tempting you are not worth powder and shot. Job said, When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. In every temptation that comes, the Lord lets you be tempted up to the very hilt, but will never allow you to be defeated if you walk in obedience, for right in the midst of the temptation he will always make a way of escape tongues and interpretation, God comes forth and with his power sweeps away the refuge of lies and all the powers of darkness, and causes you always to triumph in Christ Jesus. The Lord loveth his sakes and covereth them with his almighty wings. May God help us to see it. We cannot be to the praise of his glory until we are ready for trials and are able to triumph in them. We cannot get away from the fact that sin came in by nature, but God comes into our nature and puts it into the place of death, that the Spirit of God may come into the temple in all his power and liberty, that right here in this present evil world Satan may be dethroned by the believer. Satan is always endeavoring to bring the saints of God into disrepute, bringing against them railing accusations, but the Holy Ghost never comes with condemnation. He always reveals the blood of Christ. He always brings us help. The Lord Jesus referred to him as the Comforter who would come. He is always on hand to help in the seasons of trial and test. The Holy Ghost is the lifting power of the Church of Christ. And Paul tells us that we are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ. Written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the Living God. Not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. The Holy Ghost begins in the heart, right in the depths of human affections. He brings into the heart the riches of the revelation of Christ, implanting purity and holiness there, so that, out of its depths, praises may well up continually. The Holy Ghost will make us epistles of Christ, ever telling out that Jesus our Lord is our Redeemer and God has never put away that revelation. And because of the perfect atonement of that slain Lamb, there is salvation, healing, and deliverance for all. Some people think that they have only to be cleansed once, but, as we walk in the light the blood of Jesus Christ is ever cleansing. The very life of Christ has been put within us, and is moving within us a perfect life. May the Lord help us to see the power of this life. The years of a man's life are three score, and ten, and so in the natural order of things, my life will be finished in seven years, but I have begun a new life, that will never end. From everlasting to everlasting thou art God. This is the life I have come into, and there is no end to this life. In me is working a power stronger than every other power, Christ, the power of God, formed within me I can see why we need to be clothed upon from above, for the life that is in me is a thousand times bigger than I am outside. There must be a tremendous expansion. I see, and cannot help seeing, that this thing cannot be understood on natural lines, no natural reason can comprehend the divine plan. We are not sufficient to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. If you go back, you miss the plan. We leave the old order of things. We can never have confidence in the flesh, we cannot touch that. We are in a new order, a spiritual order. It is a new life of absolute faith in the sufficiency of our God in everything that pertains to life and godliness. You could never come into this place and be a Seventh-day Adventist. The law has no place in you. You are set free from everything. At the same time, like Paul, you are bound in the Spirit so that you would not do anything to grieve the Lord. Paul further tells us that he has made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. It is one thing to read this, and another to have the revelation of it and to see the spiritual force of it. Any man can live in the letter, and become dry and wordy, limited in knowledge of spiritual verities, and spend his time everlastingly in splitting hairs, but as soon, as he touches the realm of the Spirit, all the dryness goes, all the spirit of criticism leaves. There can be no divisions in life in the Spirit. The Spirit of God brings such pliability, and such love. There is no love like the love in the Spirit. It is a pure, a holy, a divine love, that is shed in our hearts by the Spirit. It loves to serve and to honor the Lord. I can never estimate what the baptism of the Holy Ghost has been to me these past 15 years. It seems that every year has had 3 years packed into it, so that I have had 45 years of happy service since 1907. And it is getting better all the time. It is a luxury to be filled with the Spirit, and at the same time it is a divine command for us not to be filled with wine wherein is excess, but to be filled with the Spirit. No Pentecostal person ought to get out of bed without being lost in the Spirit and speaking in tongues as the Spirit gives utterance. No one should come into the door of an assembly without speaking in tongues or having a psalm or a note of praise. We emphasize that at the incoming of the Spirit he should so fill us that the last member in the body is yielded to him and that no one is baptized in the Spirit without speaking in tongues as the Spirit gives utterance and I maintain that with a constant filling You will speak in tongues morning, noon, and night. As you live in the Spirit, when you walk down the steps of the house where you live, the devil will have to go before you. You will be more than a conqueror over the devil. I see everything a failure except that which is done in the Spirit. But as you live in the Spirit, you move, act, eat, drink, and do everything to the glory of God. Our message is always this, be filled with the Spirit. This is God's place for you, and it is as far above the natural life as the heavens are above the earth. Yield yourselves for God to fill. Moses had a tremendous trial with the people. They were always in trouble. But as he went up into the mount, and God unfolded to him the Ten Commandments, the glory fell. He rejoiced to bring those two tables of stone down from the mount, and his very countenance shone with the glory. He was bringing to Israel that which, if obeyed, would bring life. I think of my Lord coming from heaven. I think all heaven was moved by the sight. The law of the letter was brought by Moses, and it was made glorious, but all its glory was dimmed before the excelling glory which Jesus brought to us in the spirit of life. The glory of Sinai paled before the glory of Pentecost. Those tables of stone with their thou shalt not, thou shalt not, are done away, for they never brought life to anyone, and the Lord has brought in a new covenant, putting his law in our minds and writing it in our hearts, this new law of the spirit of life. As the Holy Ghost comes in, he fills us with such love and liberty, that we shout for joy these words of this eleventh verse, Done away! Done away! Henceforth there is a new cry in our hearts, I delight to do thy will, O God! He taketh away the first, the ministration of death, written and engraven in stones, that he might establish the second, this ministration of righteousness, this life in the spirit. You ask? Does a man who is filled with the Spirit cease to keep the commandments? I simply repeat what the Spirit of God has told us here, that this ministration of death, written and engraven in stones, and you know that the Ten Commandments were written on stones, is done away. The man who becomes a living epistle of Christ, written with the Spirit of the living God, has ceased to be an adulterer, or a murderer, or a covetous man, the will of God is his delight. I love to do the will of God. There is no irksomeness to it. It is no trial to pray. No trouble to read the word of God. It is not a hard thing to go to the place of worship. With the psalmist you say, I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go into the house of the Lord. How does this new life work out? The thing works out because God works in you to will and to do of his own good pleasure, Phil. 2.13 There is a great difference between a pump and a spring. The law is a pump. The baptism is a spring. The old pump gets out of order, the parts perish, and the well runs dry. The letter killeth. But the spring is ever bubbling up and there is a ceaseless flow direct from the throne of God. There is life. It is written of Christ, Thou lovest righteousness, and hidest wickedness. And in this new life in the Spirit, in this new covenant life, you love the things that are right and pure and holy, and shudder at all things that are wrong. Jesus was able to say, The prince of this world commit and bath nothing in me, and the moment we are filled with the Spirit of God we are brought into like wonderful condition. And, as we continue to be filled with the Spirit, the enemy cannot have an inch of territory. In us do you not believe that you can be so filled with the Spirit, that a man who is not living right can be judged and convicted by your presence? As we go on in the life of the Spirit, it will be said of us, in whose eyes a vile person is contemned. Psalm 15 4 Jesus lived there, and moved in this realm, and his life was a constant reproof to the wickedness around. But he was the Son of God, you say. God, through him has brought us into the place of sonship, and I believe that, if he has a chance with the material, the Holy Ghost can make something of us, and bring us to the same place. I don't want to boast. If I glory in anything. It is only in the Lord who has been so gracious to me but I remember one time stepping out of a railroad carriage to wash my hands. I had the season of prayer, and the Lord just filled me to overflowing with His love. I was going to a convention in Ireland, and I could not get there fast enough. As I returned, I believed that the Spirit of the Lord was so heavily upon me that my face must have shone. No man can tell himself when the Spirit transforms his very countenance. There were two clerical mirrors sitting together, and, as I got into the carriage again, one of them cried out, You convince me of sin. Within three minutes everyone in the carriage was crying to God for salvation. This thing has happened many times in my life. It is this ministration of the Spirit that Paul speaks of, this filling of the Spirit that will make your life effective so that even the people in the stores where you trade will want to leave your presence because they are brought under conviction we must move from everything of the letter. All that we do must be done under the anointing of the Spirit. The trouble has been that we as Pentecostal people have been living in the letter. Believe what the Holy Spirit says through Paul that all this ministration of condemnation that has hindered your liberty in Christ is done away. The law is done away. As far as you are concerned, all that old order of things is forever done away, and the Spirit of God has brought in a new life of purity and love. The Holy Ghost takes it for granted that you are finished with all the things of the old life, when you become a new creation in Christ. In the life in the Spirit, the old allurements have lost their power. The devil will meet you at every turn, but the Spirit of God will always lift up a standard against him. Oh, if God had his way, we should be like torches, purifying the very atmosphere, wherever we go, moving back the forces of wickedness. Tongues and interpretation, the Lord is that Spirit. He moves in your heart. He shows you that the power within you is mightier than all the powers of darkness. Done away. What do I mean? Will you be disloyal? You will be more than loyal. Will you grumble when you are treated badly? No, you will turn the other cheek. This is what you will always do when God lives in you. Leave yourselves in God's hands. Enter into rest. He that is entered into his rest, he also hath ceased from his own works, as God did from his Hebrews 4. Oh this is a lovely rest. The whole life is a Sabbath. This is the only life that can glorify God. It is a life of joy, and every day is a day of heaven on earth. There is a continued transformation in this life. Beholding the Lord and his glory we are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even by the Spirit of the Lord. There is a continued unveiling, a constant revelation, a repeated clothing upon from above. I want you to promise God never to look back, never to go back to that which the Spirit has said is done away. I made this promise to the Lord that I would never allow myself to doubt His word. There is one thing about a baby, it takes all that comes to it. A prudent man lets his reason cheat him out of God's best. But a baby takes all that its mother brings and tries to swallow the bottle and all. The baby can't walk, but the mother carries it. The baby cannot dress itself, but the mother dresses it. The baby can't even talk. So in the life of the Spirit, God undertakes to do what we cannot do. We are carried along by Him, He clothes us, and H.C. gives us utterance. Would that we all had the simplicity of the babes the Bible evidence of the baptism of the Spirit. There is much controversy today as regards the genuineness of this Pentecostal work, but there is nothing so convincing as the fact that over 15 years ago a revival on Holy Ghost lines began and has never ceased. You will find that in every clime throughout the world God has poured out His Spirit in a remarkable way, in line parallel with the glorious revival that inaugurated the Church of the first century people who could not understand what God was doing when he kept them concentrated in prayer wondered as these days were being brought about by the holy ghost and found themselves in exactly the same place and entering into an identical experience as the apostles on the day of pentecost our lord jesus said to his disciples behold i send the promise of my father upon you but are ye in the city of jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high luke 24:49 God promised through the prophet Joel, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, upon the servants, and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. As there is a widespread misconception concerning this receiving of the Holy Spirit, I believe the Lord would have us examine the scriptures on this subject. Do you know, beloved, it had to be something on the line of solid facts. To move me I was as certain as possible that I had received the Holy Ghost and was absolutely rigid in this conviction. When this Pentecostal outpouring began in England I went to Sunderland, and met with the people who had assembled for the purpose of receiving the Holy Ghost. I was continually in those meetings causing disturbances until the people wished I had never come. They said that I was disturbing the whole conditions. But I was hungry and thirsty for God, and had gone to Sunderland, because I heard that God was pouring out His Spirit in a new way. I heard that God had now visited His people, had manifested His power, and that people were speaking in tongues, as on the day of Pentecost. When I got to this place I said, I cannot understand this meeting. I have left a meeting in Bradford all on fire for God. The fire fell last night and we were all laid out under the power of God. I have come here for tongues, and I don't hear them I don't hear anything. Oh! They said, when you get baptized with the Holy Ghost you will speak in tongues. Oh, is that it? Said I, when the presence of God came upon me, my tongue was loosened, and really I felt, as I went in the open air, to preach that I had a new tongue. Oh no, they said, that is not it. What is it, then? I asked. They said, when you get baptized in the Holy Ghost I am baptized, I interjected, and there is no one here who can persuade me that I am not baptized. So I was up against them and they were up against me. I remember a man getting up and saying, Do you know, brothers and sisters, I was here three weeks, and then the Lord baptized me with the Holy Ghost, and I began to speak with other tongues. I said, Let us hear it. That's what I'm here for. But he would not talk in tongues. I was doing what others are doing today, confusing the 12th of I Corinthians with the 2nd of Acts these two chapters deal with different things, one with the gifts of the Spirit and the other with the baptism of the Spirit with the accompanying sign. I did not understand this, and so I said to the man, Let's hear you speak in tongues. But he could not. He had not received the gift of tongues, but the baptism. As the days passed I became more and more hungry. I had deposed the meeting so much, but the Lord was gracious, and I shall ever remember that last day the day I was to leave. God was with me so much that last night. They were to have a meeting and I went, but I could not trust. I went to the vicarage, and there in the library I said to Mrs. Boddy, I cannot trust any longer, I must have these tongues. She replied, Brother Wigglesworth, it is not the tongues you need but the baptism. If you will allow God to baptize you, the other will be all right. My dear sister, I know I am baptized, I said. Do you know that I have to leave here at four o'clock? Please lay hands on me that I may receive the tongues. She rose up and laid her hands on me, and the fire fell. I said, the fire's falling. Then came a persistent knock at the door, and she had to go out. That was the best thing that could have happened, for I was alone with God. Then he gave me a revelation. Oh, it was wonderful. He showed me an empty cross and Jesus glorified. I do thank God, that the cross is empty, that Christ is no more on the cross. It was there that he bore the curse, for it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree. He became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him, and now, there he is in the glory. Then I saw that God had purified me it seemed that God gave me a new vision, and I saw a perfect being within me with mouth open, saying, Clean El Clean! Clean! When I began to repeat it I found myself speaking in other tongues. The joy was so great that when I came to utter it my tongue failed, and I began to worship God in other tongues, as the Spirit gave me utterance. It was all as beautiful and peaceful, as when Jesus said, Peace, be still. And the tranquility of that moment, and the joy surpassed anything I had ever known up to that moment. But, Hallelujah all these days have grown with greater mightier, more wonderful divine manifestations and power. That was but the beginning. There is no end to this kind of beginning. You will never get an end the Holy Ghost, till you are landed in the glory, till you are right in the presence of God forever. And even then we shall ever be conscious of His presence. What had I received? I had received the Bible evidence. This Bible evidence is wonderful to me. I knew I had received the very evidence of the Spirit's incoming that the apostles received on the day of Pentecost. I knew that everything I had had up to that time was in the nature of an anointing bringing me in line with God in preparation, but now I knew I had the biblical baptism in the Spirit. It had the backing of the Scriptures. You are always right when you have the backing of the Scriptures, and you are never right if you have not a foundation for your testimony in the Word of God. For many years I have thrown out a challenge to any person who can prove to me that he has the baptism, without speaking in tongues, as the Spirit gives utterance to prove it by the Word, that he has been baptized in the Holy Ghost, without the Bible evidence, but so far no one has accepted the challenge. I only say this because so many were as I was, they have a rigid idea, that they have received the baptism, without the Bible evidence. The Lord Jesus wants those who preach the Word, to have the Word in evidence. Don't be misled by anything else. Have a Bible proof for all you have, and then you will be in a place where no man can move you. I was so full of joy that I wired home to say that I had received the Holy Ghost. As soon as I got home, my boy came running up to me and said, Father, have you received the Holy Ghost? I said, Yes, my boy. He said, Let's hear you speak in tongues. But I could not. Why? I had received the baptism in the Spirit with the speaking in tongues as the Bible evidence according to Acts 2 4, and had not received the gift of tongues according to 1 Corinthians 12. I had received the giver of all gifts. At some time later when I was helping some souls to seek and receive the baptism of the Spirit, God gave me the gift of tongues so that I could speak at any time. I could speak, but will not know never. I must allow the Holy Ghost to use the gift. It should be so, so that we shall have divine utterances only by the Spirit. I would be very sorry to use a gift, but the giver has all power to use the whole nine gifts. I want to take you to the scriptures, to prove my position. There are businessmen here, and they know that in cases of law, where there are two clear witnesses they could win a case, before any judge in Australia. On the clear evidence of two witnesses any judge will give a verdict. What has God given us? three clear witnesses on the baptism in the Holy Spirit more than are necessary in law the first is in Acts 2 4, they were all filled with tile Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Here we have the original pattern. And God gave to Peter an eternal word that couples this experience with a promise that went before. This is that. And God wants you to have that nothing less than that. He wants you to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit according to this original Pentecostal pattern. In Acts 10 we have another witness. Peter is in the house of Cornelius. Cornelius had had a vision of a holy angel, and has sent for Peter. A person said to me one day, You don't admit that I am filled and baptized with the Holy Ghost. Why, I was ten days and ten nights on my back before the Lord and He was flooding my soul with joy. I said, Praise the Lord, sister, that was only the beginning. The disciples were tarrying that time, and they were still, and the mighty power of God fell upon them then, and the Bible tells what happened when the power fell. And that is just what happened in the house of Cornelius. The Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And that the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. What convinced these prejudiced Jews that the Holy Ghost had come? For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. There was no other way for them to know. This evidence could not be contradicted. It is the Bible evidence. We have heard two witnesses, and that is sufficient to satisfy the world. But God goes one better. Let us look at Acts 19:6. and, when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them and they spake with tongues, and prophesied. These Ephesians received the identical Bible evidence as the apostles, at the beginning, and they prophesied in addition. Three times the scriptures show us this evidence of the baptism, in the Spirit. I do not magnify tongues. No, by God's grace, I magnify the giver of tongues. And I magnify above all him, whom the Holy Ghost has come to reveal to us, the Lord Jesus Christ, He it is who sends the Holy Spirit, and I magnify him, because he makes no difference between us and those at the beginning. But what are tongues for? Look at the second verse of 1 Cor. 14 and you will see a very blessed truth. Oh, hallelujah! Have you been there, beloved? I tell you, God wants to take you there. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue, speaketh not unto men, but unto God, for no man understandeth him, howbeit, in the Spirit he speaketh mysteries. It goes on to say, He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself. Enter into the promises of God. It is your inheritance. You will do more in one year if you are really filled with the Holy Ghost, than you could do in fifty years apart from him. What it means to be full of the Holy Ghost Bible reading Acts 6. In the days when a number of disciples began to be multiplied there developed a situation which caused the twelve to make a definite decision not to occupy themselves with serving tables, but to give themselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. How important it is for all God's ministers to be continually in prayer and constantly feeding on the scriptures of truth. I often offer a reward to anyone who can catch me anywhere without my Bible or my testament. None of you can be strong in God, unless you are diligently and constantly hearkening to what God has to say to you through His Word. You cannot know the power and the nature of God, unless you partake of His in-breathed Word. Read it at morn and at night, and at every opportunity you get. After every meal, instead of indulging in unprofitable conversation around the table, read a chapter from the Word, and then have a season of prayer. I endeavor to make a point of doing this no matter where or with whom I am staying, The psalmist said, that he had hid God's word, in his heart, that he might not sin against him, and you will find that the more of God's word you hide in your heart, the easier it is to live a holy life. He also testified that God's word lead quickened him, and, as you receive God's word, into your being, your whole physical being will be quickened, and you will be made strong. As you receive with meekness the word, you will find faith upspringing within. And you will have life through the word. The twelve told the rest to look out seven men, to look after the business end of things. They were to be men of honest report, and filled with the Holy Ghost. These were just ordinary men, who were chosen, but they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and this infilling always lifts a man to a plane, above the ordinary. It does not take a cultured or learned man to fill a position in God's church, what God requires is a yielded, consecrated, holy life, and he can make of such a flame of fire baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire. The multitude chose out seven men to serve tables. They were doubtless faithful in their appointed tasks, but we see that God soon had a better choice for two of them. Philip was so full of the Holy Ghost that he could have a revival wherever God put him down. Man chose him to serve tables, but God chose him to win souls. Oh, if I could only stir you up to see that as you are faithful in performing the humblest office, God can fill you with His Spirit and make you a chosen vessel for Himself, and promote you to a place of mighty ministry, in the salvation of souls, and in the healing of the sick. There is nothing impossible to a man filled with the Holy Ghost. It is beyond all human comprehension. When you are filled with the power of the Holy Ghost, God will wonderfully work wherever you go. When you are filled with the Spirit you will know the voice of God. I want to give you one illustration of this. When I was going out to Australia recently, our boat stopped at Hayden and at Bombay. In the first place the people came round the ship selling their wares, beautiful carpets, and all sorts of oriental things. There was one man selling some ostrich feathers. As I was looking over the side of the ship watching the trading, a gentleman said to me, Would you go shares with me in buying that bunch of feathers? What did I want with feathers? I had no use for such things and no room for them either. But the gentleman put the question to me again, Will you go shares with me in buying that bunch? The Spirit of God said to me, Do it. The feathers were sold to us for three pounds, and the gentleman said, I have no money on me, but if you will pay the man for them, I will send the cash down to you by the purser. I paid for the feathers and gave the gentleman his share. He was traveling first, and I was traveling second class. I said to him, No, please don't give that money to the purser, I want you to bring it to me personally to my cabin. I said to the Lord, What about these feathers? He showed me that he had the purpose in my purchasing them. At about 10 o'clock the gentleman came to my cabin and said, i brought the money. I said to him, It is not your money that I want, it is your soul that I am seeking for God. Right there he opened up the whole plan of his life and began to seek God, and that morning he wept his way through to God's salvation. You have no conception what God can do through you when you are filled with his Spirit. Every day and every hour you can have the divine leading of God. To be filled with the Holy Ghost means much in every way. I have seen some who have been suffering for years, and when they have been filled with the Holy Ghost everything of their sickness has passed away. The Spirit of God has made real to them the life of Jesus, and they have been completely liberated of every sickness and infirmity. Look at Stephen. He was just an ordinary man chosen to serve tables but the Holy Ghost was in him, and he was full of faith and power, and did great wonders and miracles, among the people. There was no resisting the wisdom, and the spirit by which he spake. How important it is that every man shall be filled with the Holy Spirit. Tongues and Interpretation The divine will is that you should be filled with God, for the power of the Spirit, to fill you with the mightiness of God. There is nothing God will withhold from a man filled with the Holy Ghost, I want to impress the importance of this upon you. It is not healing that I am presenting to you it is the living Christ. It is a glorious fact that the Son of God came down to bring liberty to the captives. How is it that the moment you are filled with the Holy Ghost persecution starts? It was so with the Lord Jesus himself. We do not read of any persecutions before the Holy Spirit came down like a dove upon him. Shortly after this we find, that, after preaching in his hometown, they wanted to throw him over the brow of a hill. It was the same with the twelve disciples. They had no persecution before the day of Pentecost, but after they were filled with the Spirit, they were soon in prison. The devil and the priests of religion will always get stirred when a man is filled with the Spirit, and does things, in the power of the Spirit. And persecution is the greatest blessing to a church. When we have persecution we will have purity. If you desire to be filled with the Spirit you can count on one thing, and that is persecution. The Lord came to bring division, and even in your own household you may find three against two. The Lord Jesus came to bring peace, and soon after you get peace within, you get persecution without. If you remain stationary, the devil and his agents will not disturb you much. But when you press on and go the whole length with God the enemy has you as a target, but God will vindicate you in the midst of the whole thing. At a meeting I was holding, the Lord was working, and many were being healed. A man saw what was taking place, and remarked, I'd like to try this thing. He came up for prayer and told me that his body was broken in two places. I laid my hands on him in the name of the Lord, and said to him, Now, you believe God. The next night he was at meeting, and he got up, like a lion. He said, I want to tell you people, that this man here is deceiving you. He laid his hands on me last night for rupture in two places, but I'm not a bit better. I stopped him and said, you are healed, your trouble is that you won't believe it. He was at meeting the next night, and when there was opportunity for testimony this man arose. He said, I'm a mason by trade. Today I was working with a laborer, and he had to put a big stone in place. I helped him, and did not feel any pain. I said to myself, Back quote how have I done it? I went away to a place where I could strip, And found that I was healed. I told the people, Last night this man was against the word of God, But now he believes it. It is true that these signs shall follow them that believe, They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And all through the power that is in the name of Christ. It is the Spirit who has come to reveal the word of God, And to make it spirit and life to us you people who are seeking the baptism are entering a place where you will have persecution. Your best friends will leave you, or those you may esteem your best friends. No good friend will ever leave you. But it is worthwhile. You enter into a realm of illumination, or revelation, by the power of the Holy Ghost. He reveals the preciousness and the power of the blood of Christ. I find by the revelation of the Spirit, that there is not one thing in me that the blood does not cleanse. I find that God sanctifies me by the blood, and reveals that efficacy of the work by the Spirit. Stephen was just an ordinary man clothed with the divine. He was full of faith and power, and great wonders and miracles were wrought by him. Oh, this life in the Holy Ghost! This life of deep, inward revelation, of transformation from one state to another, of growing in grace, and in all knowledge, and in the power of the Spirit, the life, and the mind of Christ being renewed in you, and of constant revelations of the might of His power. It is the only kind of thing that will enable us to stand. In this life, the Lord puts you in all sorts of places, and then reveals His power. I had been preaching in New York, and sailed one day for England, on the Lusitania. As soon as I got on board I went down to my cabin. Two men were there, and one of them said, Well, will I do for company? He took out a bottle and poured out a glass of whiskey, and drank it, and then he filled it up for me. I never touch that stuff, I said. How can you live without it? He asked. How could I live with it? I asked. He admitted, I have been under the influence of this stuff for months, and they say my back quote inside is all shriveled up, and I know that I am dying. I wish I could be delivered, but I just have to keep on drinking. Oh, if I could only be delivered. My father died in England and has given me his fortune, but what will the good of it be to me except to hasten me to my grave? I said to this man, say the word, and you will be delivered. He inquired, what do you mean? I said, say the word, show that you are willing to be delivered and God will deliver you. But it was just as if I was talking to this platform for all the comprehension he showed. I said to him, stand still, and I laid my hands on his head in the name of Jesus, and cursed that drink demon that was taking his life. He cried out, I'm free. I'm free. I know I'm free. He took two bottles of whiskey and threw them overboard, and God saved, sobered, and healed him. I was preaching all the way across. He sat beside me at the table. Previous to this he had not been able to eat, but at every meal he went right through the menu. You only have to have a touch from Jesus to have a good time. The power of God is just the same today. To me, he's lovely. To me, he's saving health. To me, he's the lily of the valley. Oh this blessed Nazarene, this King of Kings. Hallelujah. Will you let him have your will? Will you let him have you? If you will, all his power is at your disposal. They were not able to resist the wisdom and spirit by which Stephen spake, and so, full of rage, they brought him to the council. And God filled his face with a ray of heaven's light. It is worth being filled with the spirit, no matter what it costs. Read the seventh chapter, the mighty prophetic utterance by this holy man. Without fear he tells them. You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart, you do always resist the Holy Ghost. And when they heard these things they were cut to the heart. There are two ways of being affected at the heart. Here they gnashed their teeth and cast him out of the city, and stoned him. On the day of Pentecost, when they were pricked at the heart they cried out, What shall we do? They took the opposite way. The devil, if he can have his way, will cause you to commit murder. If Jesus has his way, you will repent. And Stephen, full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven, and saw the glory of God, and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Oh, this being full of the Holy Ghost! How much it means! I was riding for sixty miles one summer day, and, as I looked up in the heavens I had an open vision of Jesus all the way. It takes the Holy Ghost to give this. Stephen cried out, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. As he was full of the Spirit he was full of love, and he manifested the very same compassion for his enemies that Jesus did at Calvary. This being filled with the Holy Ghost means much in every way. It means constant filling, quickening, and a new life continually. Oh, it's lovely. We have a wonderful gospel, and a great Savior. If you will, but be filled with the Holy Ghost you will have a constant spring within, yea? As your faith centers in the Lord Jesus, from within you shall flow rivers of living water, walking and praising God. When the son saw this he cried out, Help me too, and after a little while the father and son, without crutches, and without taxi, walked away from the hall together. That word again is manifested, the same Jesus, the wonder-working Jesus is just the same today. Now Copenhagen, my homeland. During three weeks thousands daily attended the meetings. Each morning two, or three hundred were ministered to for healing. Each evening the platform was surrounded. Again and again, as each throng retired and other company came forward seeking salvation. Here many were baptized in the Holy Ghost. The testimony meetings were wonderful. Now I will close with a vision a brother had who attended these meetings. He was lost in intercession for the hundreds of sick waiting to be ministered to for healing. He saw an opening from the platform, where the sick were, right into the glory. He saw wonderful beings in the form of men resting who, with interest, looked on. Again he looked at the platform, and saw a heavenly being clothed in white, who all the time was more active than any other in helping the sick, and when he touched them the effect was wonderful. Bent forms were made straight, their eyes shone, they began to glorify and praise the Lord. A voice said, Healings are the smallest of the gifts, it is but a drop in the bucket in view of what God has in store for His children. Ye shall do greater works than these and in confidence. Wilt thou be made whole? Read John 5 1-24 I believe the Word of God is so powerful that it can transform any and every life. There is power in God's Word to make that which does not appear to appear. There is executive power in the Word that proceeds from His lips. The psalmist tells us he sent his word and healed them. P.S. one hundred seven twenty. And you think that word has diminished in its power? I tell you nay. But God's word can bring things to pass today as of old. The psalmist said, "Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now have I kept my word." And again, it is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn by statutes. P.S. 71 and if our afflictions will bring us to the place, where we see that we cannot live by bread alone, but must partake of every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God, they will have served a blessed purpose. But I want you to realize that there is a life of purity, a life made clean through the word he has spoken, in which, through faith, you can glorify God with a body, that is free from sickness, as well, as with a spirit set free from the bondage of Satan. Here they lay, a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, Halt, withered, around the pool, waiting for the moving of the water. Did Jesus heal everybody? He left many around that pool unhealed. There were doubtless many who had their eyes on the pool, and who had no eyes for Jesus. There are many today who have their confidence all the time in things seen. If they would only get their eyes on God instead of on natural things, how quickly they would be helped. 34 The question arises, is salvation and healing for all? It is for all who will press right in and get their portion. You remember the case of that Seraphinesian woman who wanted the devil cast out of her daughter. Jesus said to her, Let the children first be filled, for it is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it unto the dogs. Note, healing and deliverance are here spoken of by the Master as the children's bread dollar sign o. Oh, if you are a child of God, you can surely press in for your portion. The Syrophoenician woman, Mark 7 24-30, purposed to get from the Lord what she was after, and she said, Yes, Lord, yet the dogs, under the table eat of the children's crumbs. Jesus was stirred as he saw the faith of this woman, and he told her, For the saying go thy way, the devil is gone out of thy daughter. Today there are many children of God refusing their blood purchased portion of health in Christ, and are throwing it away, while sinners are pressing through and picking it up frown under the table, as it were, and are finding the cure not only for their bodies, but for their spirits and souls as well. The Seraphanecian woman went home, and found that the devil had indeed gone out of her daughter. Today there is bread, there is life, there is health for every child of God through His all-powerful Word. The Word can drive every disease away from your body. It is your portion in Christ, Him, who is our bread, our life, our health, our all in all. Ered though you may be deep in sin, you can come to him in repentance, and he will forgive, and cleanse, and heal you. His words are spirit and life to those who will receive them. There is a promise in the last verse in Joel, I will cleanse their blood, that I have not cleansed. This is as much, as to say he will provide new life within. The life of Jesus Christ, God's Son, can so purify men's hearts and minds, that they become entirely transformed, spirit, soul, and body. There they are round the pool, and this man had been there a long time. His infirmity was of thirty-eight years standing. Now and again an opportunity would come, as the angel stirred the waters, but his heart would be made sick, as he saw another stab, in, and be healed before him. But one day Jesus was passing that way, and seeing him lying there in that set condition, inquired, Wilt thou be made whole? Jesus said, It, and his word is from everlasting to everlasting. This is his word to you, poor, tried-and-tested one today. You may say, like this poor impotent man, I have missed every opportunity up till now. Never mind about that will now be made whole. I visited a woman who had been suffering for many years. She was all twisted up with rheumatism, and had been two years in bed. I said to her, what makes you lie here? She said, I've come to the conclusion that I have a thorn in the flesh. I said, to what wonderful degree of righteousness have you attained, that you have to have a thorn in the flesh? Have you had such an abundance of divine revelations, that there is danger of your being exalted above measure? She said, I believe it is the Lord, who is causing me to suffer. I said, you believe it is the Lord's will for you to suffer, and you are trying to get out of it as quickly, as you can. There are doctor's bottles all over the place. Get out of your hiding place and confess that you are a sinner. If you'll get rid of your self-righteousness, God will do something for you. Drop the idea that you are so holy that God has got to afflict you. Sin is the cause of your sickness, and not righteousness. Disease is not caused by righteousness, but by sin. There is healing through the blood of Christ and deliverance for every captive. God never intended his children to live in misery, because of some affliction, that comes directly from the devil. A perfect atonement was made at Calvary. I believe that Jesus bore my sins, and I am free from them all. I am justified from all things, if I dare believe. He himself took our infirmities, and bare our sicknesses, and if I dare believe, I can be healed. See this poor, helpless man at the pool. Wilt thou be made whole? but there is a difficulty in the way. The man has one eye on the pool, and one on Jesus. There are many people getting cross-eyed this way these days, they have one eye, on the doctor, and one on Jesus. If you will only look to Christ, and put both your eyes on Him you can be made every whit whole, spirit, soul, and body. It is the word of the living God, that they that believe should be justified, made free from all things. And whom the Son sets free as free indeed. You say, oh, if I only could believe. He understands. Jesus knew he had been a long time in that case. He is full of compassion. He knows that kidney trouble, he knows those corns, he knows that neuralgia. There is nothing he does not know. He only wants a chance to show himself merciful and gracious to you. But he wants to encourage you to believe him. If thou canst only believe, thou canst be saved and healed. Dare to believe that Jesus was wounded for your transgressions, was bruised for your iniquities, was chastised that you might have peace, and that by His stripes there is healing for you right here and now. You have failed because you have not believed Him. Cry out to Him even now, Lord, I believe, help out mine unbelief. I was in Long Beach, California, one day, and with a friend, was passing a hotel, he told me of a doctor there who had a disease leg, that he had been suffering from it for six years, and could not get out. We went up to his room and found four doctors there. I said, well, doctor, I see you have plenty on, I'll call again another day. I was passing at another time, and the spirit said, go join myself to him. Poor doctor. He surely was in a bad condition. He said. I have been like this for six years, and nothing human can help me. I said, Do you need God Almighty? People are trying to patch up their lives, but you cannot do anything without God. I talked to him for a while about the Lord, and then prayed for him. I cried, Come out of him, in the name of Jesus. The doctor cried, It's all gone. Oh, if we only knew Jesus. One touch of his mightiness meets the need of every crooked thing. The trouble is to get people to believe him. The simplicity of His salvation is wonderful. One touch of living faith in Him is all that is required, and wholeness is your portion. I was in Long Beach about six weeks later, and the sick were coming for prayer. Among those filling up the aisle was the doctor. I said, What is the trouble? He said, Diabetes, but it will be all right tonight. I know it will be all right. There is no such thing as the Lord not meeting your need. There are no ifs or mars his promises are all shahs. All things are possible to him that believe with. Oh, the name of Jesus. There is power in that name to meet every condition of human need. At that meeting there was an old man helping his son to the altar. He said, he has fits many every day. Then there was a woman with a cancer. Oh, what sin has done. We read that when God brought forth his people from Egypt. There was not one feeble person among their tribes p.s. 10537. No disease? All healed by the power of God. I believe that God wants a people like that today. I prayed for the sister who had the cancer, and she said, I know I'm free, and that God has delivered me. Then they brought the boy with the fits, and I commanded the evil spirits to leave in the name of Jesus. Then I prayed for the doctor. At the next night's meeting the house was full. I called out, Now, Doctor, what about the diabetes? He said, It has gone. Then I said to the old man, What about your son? He said, He hasn't had any fits since. We have a God who answers prayer. Jesus meant this man at the pool to be a testimony forever. When he had both eyes on Jesus, he said to him, Do the impossible thing. Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. Jesus called on the man with the withered hand, to do the impossible to stretch forth his hand. The man did the impossible thing he stretched out his hand, and it was made every whit hole. And so with this impotent man he began to rise, and he found the power of God moving within. He wrapped up his bed and began to walk off. It was the Sabbath day, and there were some of those folks around who think much more of a day, and they do of the Lord, and they began to make a fuss. When the power of God is in manifestation, a protest will always come from some hypocrites. Jesus knew all about what the man was going through, and met him again, and this time he said to him, Behold, thou art made whole, sin no more, lest a worse thing come unto thee. There is a close relationship between sin and sickness. How many know that their sickness is a direct result of sin? I hope that no one will come to be prayed for who is living in sin. But if you will obey God, and repent of your sin, and quit it, God will meet you, and neither your sickness, nor your sin will remain. The prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up, and if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Faith is just the open door through which the Lord comes. Do not say, I was healed by faith. Faith does not save. God saves through that open door. Healing comes the same way. You believe, and the virtue of Christ comes. Healing is for the glory of God. I am here because God healed me, when I was dying, and I have been all round the world preaching this full redemption, doing all I can to bring glory to the wonderful name of Jesus, through whom I was healed. Sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon thee. The Lord told us in one place, about an evil spirit going out from a man. The house that he left got all swept air garnished, but it received no new occupant. And that evil spirit, with seven other spirits more wicked than himself, went back to that unoccupied house, and the last stage of the man was worse than the first. The Lord does not heal you to go to a baseball game, or to a raise meet. He heals you for his glory and that from henceforth your life shall glorify him. But this man remained stationary. He did not magnify God. He did not seek to be filled with the Spirit. And his last state became worse than the first the Lord would so cleanse the motive and desires of our hearts, that we will seek, but one thing only, and that is, His glory. I went to a certain place one day, and the Lord said, This is for my glory. A young man had been sick for a long time confined to his bed in an utterly hopeless condition. He was fed only with a spoon, and was never dressed. The weather was damp. And so I said to the people of the house, I wish you would put the young man's clothes by the fire to air." At first they would not take any notice of my request, but because I was persistent, they at last got out his clothes, and when they were aired, I took them into his room. The Lord said to me, You will have nothing to do with this, and I just lay out prostrate on the floor. The Lord showed me that he was going to shake the place with his glory. The very bed shook. I laid my hands on a young man in the name of Jesus, and the power fell in such a way that I fell with my face to the floor. In about a quarter of an hour the young man got up and walked up and down praising God. He dressed himself, and then went out to the room, where his father and mother were. He said, God has healed me both the father and mother felt prostrate to the floor, as the power of God surged through that room. There was a woman in that house who had been in an asylum for lunacy, and her condition was so bad that they were about to take her back. But the power of God healed her, too. The power of God is just the same today as of old. Men need to be taken back to the old paths, to the old time faith, to believe God's word, and every thus saith the Lord therein. The spirit of the Lord is moving in these days. God is coming forth. If you want to be in the rising tide, you must accept all God has said. Wilt thou be made whole? It is Jesus who asks it. Give him your answer. He will hear and he will answer. Blessing in Australia The following is from Melbourne, Australia, from Sister Winnie Andrews, in connection with Brother Wigglesworth's ministry there, a young woman declares, I was brought to last Sunday's meeting a poor, dying woman, with a disease which was eating into every part of my being. I was full of corruption outside as well, as in, but the Lord Jesus Christ came, and loosed me, and set me free. Since then I have slept better, and have eaten more heartily than I have for eight years. The president of the Methodist Local Preachers Association testified to having been delivered from nervous trouble. Mr. Saul Glush, a prominent businessman, testified to deliverance from an affliction in the feet, since he was two years old, now he is 52. Since I was prayed for in the name of Jesus all pain is gone. No one has ever seen me do this, stamping his feet. I have no use for my stick. A lady said while sitting in my seat, listening to the word, God healed me of liver trouble, gallstones, and sciatica. He has also touched my daughter, who was suffering with her feet, having been operated on twice, she had little hope of being anything, but an invalid, but the Lord operated. All pain has gone. Praise the Lord. Mr. Llewellyn, a Church of England reader, testified to having been immediately healed of a stiff knee. Mr. Barrett testified that Miss Witt, of Box Hill, who has been twenty-two years, in an invalid chair, rose, and walked after Mr. Wigglesworth ministered unto her in the name of Jesus. Another testified of having been healed the night, before of rheumatoid arthritis of four years standing, discarding crutch and stick. Mr. Johnson of Spermvale, who had been deaf twenty years, and his wife, who had sat in a wheelchair for six years, were immediately healed. The empty chair was wheeled to the railway station, the woman testifying to passers-by of the great things God had done for her. Many were healed through the application of handkerchiefs. From the Pentecostal evangel, if you do get into error on these lines, praise God, there is a way out. I praise God, that he will break us down till all pride leaves us. The worst pride we can have is the pride of exaltation of self. Paul wrote at the commandment of the Lord, Let the prophet speak two, or three, and let the others judge. If anything be revealed to another that sitteth by, let the first hold his peace. For ye may all prophesy one by one, that all may learn, and all may be comforted. If you are not humble enough to allow your prophecy to be judged, it is as surely wrong as you are wrong. Prophecy has to be judged. A meeting such as this one that Paul suggests would certainly be the greatest meeting you ever had. Praise God, the tide will rise to this. It will all come into perfect order, when the church is bathed and lost in the great ideal of only glorifying Jesus. Then things will come to pass that will be worthwhile. Coupled with prophecy you will have the fruit of the Spirit, that is goodness. They were holy men who spoke in prophecy in days of old as the Holy Ghost prompted them, and so today the prophet who can be trusted is a man that is full of goodness, that goodness which is the fruit of the Spirit. But when he gets out of this position and rests upon his own individuality, he is in danger of being puffed up and becoming an instrument for the enemy. I knew some people who had a wonderful farm, very productive, in a very good neighborhood, They listened to voices telling them to sell everything and go to Africa. These voices so unhinged them that they had scarcely had time to sell out. They sold their property at a ridiculous price. The same voices told them of a certain ship they were to sail on. When they got to the port they found there wasn't a ship of that name. The difficulty was this, to get them not to believe these false voices. They said perhaps it was the mind of the Lord to give them another ship, and the voice soon gave them the name of another ship. When they reached Africa they knew no language that was spoken there. But the voice did not let them stop. They had to come back, broken-hearted, shaken through, and having lost all confidence in everything. If these people had had sense to go to some men of God who were filled with the Spirit and seek their counsel, they would soon have been persuaded that these voices were not of God but listening to these voices always brings about to spiritual pride that makes a man or woman think that they are superior to their brethren and that they are above taking counsel of men who they think are not so filled with the Spirit as they are. If you hear any voices that make you think that you are superior to those whom God has put in the church to rule the church, watch out, that is surely the devil. We read in the Revelation that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. You will find that true prophetic utterance always exalts the Lamb of God. No prophetic touches of any good unless there is fire in it. I never expect to be used of God till the fire burns. I feel that if I ever speak, it must be by the Spirit. At the same time remember that the prophet must prophesy according to the measure of faith. If you rise up in your weakness, but rise up in love because you want to honor God and just begin, you will find the presence of the Lord upon you. Act in faith and the Lord will meet you. May God take us on and on into this glorious fact of faith, that we may be so in the Holy Ghost, that God will work through us on the line of the miraculous and on the lines of prophecy, where we shall always know that it is no longer we but He, who is working through us, bringing forth that which is in His own divine good pleasure. The gift of tongues follow after charity, and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that ye may prophesy, For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue, speaketh not unto men, but unto God, for no man understandeth him, howbeit, in the Spirit he speaketh mysteries one core. 14 1 2. It is necessary that we have a great desire for spiritual gifts. We must thirst after them and covet them earnestly, because the gifts are necessary and important, that we, by the grace of God having received the gifts, may be used for God's glory. God has ordained the speaking in an unknown tongue unto Himself, as a wonderful, supernatural means of communication in the Spirit. As we speak to Him in the unknown tongue we speak wonderful mysteries in the Spirit. In Rom. 827 we read, He that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Many times as we speak unto God, in an unknown tongue we are in intercession, and, as we pray thus in the Spirit we pray according to the will of God. And there is such a thing as the Spirit making intercession with groanings which cannot be uttered. On this line I want to tell you about Willie Burton, who is laboring for God, in the Belgium Congo. Brother Burton is a mighty man of God, and is giving his life for the heathen in Africa. He took fever, and went down to death. They said, he has preached his last, what shall we do? All their hopes seemed to be blighted, and there they stood, with broken hearts, wondering what was going to take place. They left him for dead, but, in a moment, without any signal, he stood right in the midst of them, and they could not understand it. The explanation he gave was this, that, when he came to himself, he realized a warmth going right through his body, and there wasn't one thing wrong with him. How did it come about? It was a mystery until he went to London, and was telling the people, how he was left for dead, and then was raised up. A lady came up and asked for a private conversation with him, and arrange a time. She asked, Do you keep a diary? He answered, Yes. She told him, It happened on a certain day, that I went to pray, and as soon as I knelt, I had you on my mind. The Spirit of the Lord took hold of me and prayed through me in an unknown tongue. A vision came before me in which I saw you laid out helpless, and I cried out in the unknown tongue, till I saw you rise up and go out of that room. She had kept a note of the time, and when he turned to his diary he found that it was exactly the time when he was raised up. There are great possibilities, as we yield to the Spirit, and speak unto God, in quiet hours in our bedrooms. God wants you to be filled with the Holy Ghost, so that everything about you shall be charged with the dynamic of heaven. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself, but he that prophesieth edifieth the church. Verse 4. I want you to see, that he that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself, or builds himself up. We must be edified before we can edify the church. I cannot estimate what I, personally, owe to the Holy Ghost method of spiritual edification. I am here before you as one of the biggest conundrums in the world. There never was a weaker man on the platform. Language none. Inability full of it. All natural things in my life point exactly opposite to my being able to stand on the platform, and preach the gospel. The secret is that the Holy Ghost came, and brought this wonderful edification of the Spirit. I had been reading this word continual as well, as I could, but the Holy Ghost came, and took hold of it, for the Holy Ghost is the breath of it, and he illuminated it to me and he gives me language, that I cannot speak fast enough. It comes too fast, and it is there because God has given it. When the Comforter is come he shall teach you all things, and he has given me the supernatural means of speaking in an unknown tongue, to edify myself, so that, after being edified, I can edify the church. In 1 John 2:20, we read, But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. In verse 27 we read, But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man should teach you. But as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. Even when you are baptized in the Spirit you may say, I seem so dry, I don't know where I am. The Word says you have an unction. Thank God you have received an anointing. The Holy Ghost here says that he is abiding, and that he teaches you of all things. These are great and definite positions for you. The Holy Ghost would have used her up your faith, to believe that this word is true that you have the unction, and that the anointing abideth. As you rise up in the morning believe this wonderful truth, and, as you yield to the Spirit's presence and power you will find yourself speaking unto God, in the Spirit, and you will find that you are personally being edified by doing this. Let everything about you be a lie, but let this word of God be true. The devil will say you are the driest person, and that you will never do anything. But you believe God's word, that the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you. I would that ye all speak with tongues, but rather that ye prophesied, for greater is he that prophesieth, and he that speaketh with tongues, except he interpret, that the church may receive edification. You must understand, that God would always have you to be in the place of prophecy, for everyone, who has received the Holy Ghost has a right to prophesy. In verse 31 we read, ye may all prophesy one by one. Now prophecy is far in advance of speaking in tongues, except that you have the interpretation of the speaking in tongues, and then God gets an equivalent to prophecy. In verse 13 we read, Let him that speaketh in an unknown tongue pray, that he may interpret. This is an important word. After receiving the baptism in the Holy Ghost, and speaking in tongues, as the Spirit gave utterance, I did not speak with tongues again for nine months. I was troubled about it because I went up and down laying hands upon people, that they might receive the Holy Ghost, and they were speaking in tongues, but I did not have the joy of speaking myself. God wanted to show me that the speaking in tongues, as the Spirit gave utterance, which I received when I received the baptism, was distinct from the gift of tongues which I subsequently received. When I laid hands on other people, and they received the Holy Ghost, I used to think, Oh, Lord Jesus, it would be nice if you would let me speak. He would help the gift from me, for he knew that I would meet many who would say that the baptism of the Holy Ghost can be received without the speaking in tongues, and that people simply received the gift of tongues when they received the baptism. I did not receive the gift of tongues at that time, but nine months later I was going out of the door one morning, speaking to the Lord in my own heart, when there came a volume of tongues. When the tongue stopped I said to the Lord, Now, Lord, I did not do it, and I wasn't seeking it, so you have done it, and I am not going to move from this place, until you give me interpretation. And then came an interpretation which has been fulfilled all the world over. Is it the Holy Ghost who speaks? Then the Holy Ghost can interpret. Let him that speaks in a tongue pray, that he may interpret, and God will give it we must not rush through without getting a clear understanding of what God has to say to us. What is it then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with the understanding also. Verse 15. If you pray in an unknown tongue in the Spirit you do not know what you are praying, you have no understanding of it. It is unfruitful to those round about you, but you have the same power to pray with the understanding, under the unction of the Spirit, as you have to pray in an unknown tongue. Some say, oh, I could do that, but it would be myself doing it. If you pray, it is yourself, and everything you do in the beginning is yourself. I kneel down to pray and the first and second sentences may be in the natural, but as soon as I have finished. The Spirit begins to pray through me the first may be yourself. Granted. The next will be the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Ghost will take you through, praise the Lord. Everything but faith will say, that isn't right. Faith says, it is right. The natural man says, it isn't right. Faith says, it is right. Paul says, I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with the understanding also, and he does it in faith the devil is against it and your own self-life is against it. May God the Holy Ghost bring us into the blessed place, where we may live, walk, pray, and sing in the Spirit, and pray, and sing with the understanding also. Faith will do it. Faith has a deaf ear to the devil, and to the working of the natural mind, and a big ear to God. Faith has a deaf ear to yourself, and an open ear to God. Faith won't take any notice of feelings, Faith says, you are complete in Him. It is a wonderful thing to pray in the Spirit, and to sing in the Spirit, praying in tongues, and singing in tongues, as the Spirit of God gives you utterance. I never get out of bed in the morning without having communion with God, in the Spirit. It is the most wonderful thing on earth. It is most lovely to be in the Spirit, when you are dressing, and you come out to the world, and the world has no effect on you. You begin a day like that and you will be conscious of the guidance of the Spirit right through the day. I thank my God, I speak with tongues more than y'all. Yet in the church I had rather speak five words with my understanding, that by my voice I might teach others also, than ten thousand words in an unknown tongue. For. 18, 19. Many people will come round and say that Paul said he would rather speak five words with the known tongue than ten thousand words without understanding then we will always leave out that part of the sentence, I thank my God, I speak with tongues more than y'all. Paul was here correcting the excessive speaking in tongues without interpretation, which was not for the edification of the assembly. If there was no interpreter present, they were simply to speak to themselves and to God. Suppose we had someone preaching, and we had twenty or thirty people all up and down in tongues, it would be very serious. There would be confusion. The people who attend the meeting would rather have five words of edification, consolation, and comfort, than ten thousand words without understanding. Because you feel a touch of the Spirit you are not obliged to speak in tongues. The Lord will give you a sound mind so that you will hold your body in perfect order for the edification of the church. But Paul here says that he spake in tongues more than they all, and, as it is evident that the Corinthian church was given to this thing very considerably, he certainly must have been speaking tremendously in tongues both day and night. He was so edified by this wonderful, supernatural means of being built up, that he could go to the church, and preaching in a manner so that they could all understand him, he would marvelously edify the saints. In the law it is written, With men of other tongues, and other lips will I speak unto this people, and yet for all that will they not hear me, saith the Lord. Wherefore tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not Verses 21-22 There are many who call themselves believers, who are extremely unbelieving. One of the unbelieving believers was a Methodist minister who lived in Sheffield, England. A man gave him a check and told him to go and take a rest. This man also gave him my name and address, so, when he got to Bradford, he began to inquire about me. He was warned against me as one of the dung's people, and was told to be very careful, and not to be taken in, for the whole thing was of the devil. He said, they will not take me in, I know too much for them to take me in. He was quite run down and needed rest. and when he came he said, a friend of yours sent me, is it all right? I replied, yes, you are welcome. But we could do nothing with that man. It was impossible. Talk. You never heard anyone talk like him. It was talk, 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 talk. I said, let him alone, he will surely finish someday. We had dinner, and he talked through dinner time, we had the next meal, and he talked through that. It was our Friday night meeting for those seeking the baptism, and the room began to fill with people, and still he talked. No one could get an agent he lodged himself in a place where he could not be disturbed by those coming in. I said, Brother, you will have to stop now, we are going to pray. As a general thing we had some singing before going to prayer, but this time it was different. It was God's order. We got straight to prayer and as soon as we began to pray two young women, one on this side and the other on the other side began speaking in tongues. And this minister it was also strange to him moved from one to the other to hear what they were saying. In a little while he said, may I go to my room? I said, yes, brother, if you wish. So he went to his room and we had a wonderful time. We went to bed about eleven o'clock or so, and at half past three in the morning this man came to the bedroom door. Knock, knock, may I come in? Yes, come in he opened the door and said, He is come, he is come holding his mouth, for he could hardly speak in English. I said, Go back to bed, tell us tomorrow. Tongues are for the unbeliever, and this man was an unbeliever, an unbelieving believer. Again and again I have seen conviction come upon people through the speaking in tongues. The next morning he came down to breakfast, and said, Oh, was not that a wonderful night? He said, I know Greek and Hebrew. And those two young women were speaking these languages, one was saying in Greek, back quote get right with God, and the other was saying the same thing in Hebrew. I knew it was God speaking, and I knew it was not they. I first had to repent. I came in an unbeliever, but I found that God was here. In the night God laid me on the floor for about two hours. I was helpless. Then God broke through. Here he began again to speak in tongues, right over the breakfast table. God will have witnesses of His mighty power that no man can gainsay. You will have to see that the Holy Ghost will speak through you in tongues and interpretation which will bring conviction to the unbeliever in the open air, and you will find that God will convict by this means. I will explain to you the most perfect way to receive the gift. Come with me to the second chapter of 2 Kings, and I will show you a man receiving a gift. Elijah had been mightily used of God in calling down fire and in other miracles, and Elisha is moved with a great spirit of covetousness, to have this man's gifts. You can be very covetous for the gifts of the Spirit and God will allow it. When Elijah said to him, I want you to stop at Gilgal, Elisha said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. There was no stopping him. When Elijah wanted Elisha to stop at Jericho he said in substance, I am not stopping. The man that stops gets nothing. Oh, don't stop at Jericho, don't stop at Jordan, don't stop anywhere when God would have you move on into all of his fullness that he has for you. They came to Jordan and Elijah took his mantle and smote the waters. They divided, and Elijah and Elisha went over on dry ground. Elijah turned to Elisha and said in substance, look here, what do you want? Elisha was wanting what he was going to have, and you may covet all that God says that you shall have. Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. This was the plow boy who had washed the hands of his master, but his spirit got so big that he purposed in his heart, that when Elijah stepped off the scene, he would be put into his place. Elijah said, thou hast asked a hard thing, nevertheless, if thou see me, when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. May God help you never to stop persevering till you get what you want. Let your aspiration be large and your faith rise. Until you are wholly on fire for God's best. Onward the go, and, as one steps, the other steps with him. He purposed to keep his eye on his master, until the last. It took a chariot of fire and horses of fire to part them asunder, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. I can fancy I hear Elisha crying out, Father Elijah, drop that mantle. And it came down. Oh, I can see it lowering, lowering, and lowering. Elisha took all of his own clothes, and rent them in two pieces, and then he took up the mantle of Elijah. I do not believe that, when he put on that other mantle, he felt any difference, in himself, but when he came to Jordan, he took the mantle of Elijah, and smote the waters, and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And the waters parted, and he went over on dry ground. And the sons of the prophets said, The spirit of Elijah doth rest upon Elisha. It is like receiving a gift you don't know, that you have it till you act in faith. Brothers and sisters, as you ask, believe. The word of knowledge, and faith to another the word of knowledge, by the same spirit, to another faith, by the same spirit one core. 12 eight, 9 We have not passed this way hitherto. I believe that Satan has many devices, and that they are worse today, and ever before. But I also believe that there is to be a full manifestation on the earth of the power and glory of God, to defeat every device of Satan. In Ephesians 4 we are told to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit, in the bond of peace, for there is one body, and one Spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father, of all. The baptism of the Spirit is to make us all one. Paul tells us in one core. 12-13 Twelve, thirteen. that by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. It is God's thought that we speak the same thing. If we all have the full revelation of the Spirit of God we shall all see the same thing. Paul asked these Corinthians, is Christ divided? When the Holy Ghost has full control, Christ is never divided, his body is not divided, there is no division. Schism and division are the products of the carnal mind how important it is that we shall have the manifestation of the word of knowledge in our midst. It is the same Spirit who brings forth the word of wisdom, that brings forth the word of knowledge. The revelation of the mysteries of God comes by the Spirit, and we must have a supernatural word of knowledge in order to convey to others the things which the Spirit of God has revealed. The Spirit of God reveals Christ in all His wonderful fullness, and He shows Him to us from the beginning to the end of the Scriptures, It is the Scriptures that make us wise unto salvation, that open to us the depths of the kingdom of heaven, which reveal all the divine mind to us. There are thousands of people who read and study the Word of God. But it is not quickened to them. The Bible is a dead letter except by the Spirit. The Word of God can never be vital and powerful in us except by the Spirit. The words that Christ spoke were not just dead words, but they were Spirit and life. And so it is the thought of God, that a living word, a word of truth, the word of God, a supernatural word of knowledge, shall come forth from us through the power of the Spirit of God. It is the Holy Ghost who will bring forth utterances from our lips, and a divine revelation of all the mind of God. The child of God ought to thirst for the word. He should know nothing else but the word, and should know nothing among men save Jesus. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word which proceedeth out of the mouth of God. It is, as we feed on the word, and meditate on the message it contains, that the Spirit of God can vitalize that which we have received, and bring forth through us the word of knowledge, that will be as full of power and life, as when He, the Spirit of God, moved upon holy men of old and gave them these inspired scriptures. They were all inbreathed of God as they came forth at the beginning and through the same Spirit they should come forth from us vitalized, living, powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. With the gifts of the Spirit should come the fruit of the Spirit. With wisdom we should have love, with knowledge we should have joy, and with the third gift, faith, we should have the fruit of peace. Faith is always accompanied by peace. Faith always rests. Faith laughs at impossibilities. Salvation is by faith through grace, and it is the gift of God. We are kept by the power of God through faith. God gives faith and nothing can take it away. By faith we have power to enter into the wonderful things of God. There are three positions of faith, saving faith, which is the gift of God, the faith of the Lord Jesus, and the gift of faith. You will remember the word of the Lord Jesus Christ given to Paul to which he refers in the 26th of Acts, where the Lord commissioned him to go to the gentles, to open their eyes, and to turn them from darkness unto light, and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins, and inheritance among them. Back quote, which are sanctified by faith that is in me, Oh, this wonderful faith of the Lord Jesus. Your faith comes to an end. How many times I have been to the place, where I have had to tell the Lord, I have used all the faith I have, and then He has placed His own faith within me. One of our workers said to me at Christmas time, Wigglesworth, I never was so near the end of my person my life. I replied, Thank God, you are just at the opening of God's treasures. It is when we are at the end of our own, that we can enter into the riches of God's resources. It is when we possess nothing, that we can possess all things. The Lord will always meet you when you are on the line of living faith. I was in Ireland at one time, and went to a house, and said to the lady who came to the door, "Is brother Wallace here. She replied, Oh, he has gone to Bangor, but God has sent you here for me I need you. Come in she told me her husband was a deacon of the Presbyterian Church. She had herself received the baptism, while she was a member of the Presbyterian Church, but they did not accept it, as from God. The people of the church said to her husband, This thing cannot go on. We don't want you to be deacon any longer, and your wife is not wanted in the church. The man was very enraged, and he became incensed against his wife. It seemed as though an evil spirit possessed him, and the home that had once been peaceful became very terrible. At last he left home, and left no money behind him, and the woman asked me what should she do. We went to prayer and before we had prayed five minutes the woman was mightily filled with the Holy Ghost. I said to her, sit down and let me talk to you. Are you often in the spirit like this? She said. Yes, and what could I do without the Holy Ghost now? I said to her, the situation is yours. The Word of God says that you have power to sanctify your husband. Dare to believe the Word of God. Now the first thing we must do is to pray that your husband come back tonight. She said, I know he won't. I said, if we agree together, it is done. She said, I will agree. I said to her, when he comes home show him all possible love, lavish everything upon him. If he won't hear what you have to say, let him go to bed. The situation is yours. Get down before God and claim him for the Lord. Get into the glory just as you have gotten today, and as the Spirit of God prays through you, you will find that God will grant all the desires of your heart. A month later I saw this sister at a convention. She told how her husband came home that night, and that he went to bed, but she prayed right through to victory, and then laid her hands upon him. The moment she laid hands upon him he cried out for mercy. The Lord saved him, and baptized him in the Holy Spirit. The power of God is beyond all our conception. The trouble is that we do not have the power of God in a full manifestation because of our finite thoughts, but as we go on and let God have His way, there is no limit to what our limitless God will do in response to a limitless faith. But you will never get anywhere except you are in constant pursuit of all the power of God. One day when I came home from our open air meeting, at 11 o'clock I found that my wife was out. I asked, where is she? I was told that she was down at Mitchell's. I had seen Mitchell that day and knew that he was at the point of death. I knew that it was impossible for him to survive the day unless the Lord undertook. There are many who let down in sickness and do not take hold of the life of the Lord Jesus Christ that is provided for them. I was taken to see a woman who was dying and said to her, How are things with you? She answered, I have faith, I believe. I said, Do you know? that you have not faith, do you know, that you are dying. It is not faith that you have, it is language. There is a difference between language and faith. I saw that she was in the hands of the devil. There was no possibility of life until he was removed from the premises. I hate the devil, and I laid hold of the woman, and shouted, Come out, you devil of death. I command you to come out in the name of Jesus. In one minute she stood on her feet in victory. But to return to the case of Brother Mitchell, I hurried down to the house, and, as I got near I heard terrible screams. I knew that something had happened. I passed Mrs. Mitchell on the staircase, and asked, What is up? She replied, He is gone. He is gone. I just passed her, and went into the room, and immediately I saw that Mitchell had gone. I could not understand it, but I began to pray. My wife was always afraid that I would go too far, and she laid hold of Ma, and said, Don't, Dad. Don't you see. That he is dead. I continued to pray and my wife continued to cry out to me, Don't, Dad. Don't you see. That he is dead. But I continued praying. I got as far as I could with my OV faith, and then God laid hold of me. It was such a laying hold that I could believe for anything. The faith of the Lord Jesus laid hold of me and a solid peace came into my heart. I shouted, He lives. He lives. He lives. And He is living today. There is a difference between our faith and the faith of the Lord Jesus. The faith of the Lord Jesus is needed. We must change faith from time to time. Your faith may get to a place where it wavers. The faith of Christ never wavers. When you have that faith the thing is finished. When you have that faith you will never look at things, as they are, you will see the things of nature give weight to the things of the spirit, you will see the temporal swallowed up in the eternal. I was at a camp meeting in Casadero, California, several years ago, and a remarkable thing happened. A man came there who was stone deaf. I prayed for him, and I knew that God had healed him. Then came the test. He would always move his chair up to the platform, and every time I got up to speak he would get up as close as he could and strain his ears to catch what I had to say. The devil said, It isn't done. I declared, It is done. This went on for three weeks and then the manifestation came, and he could hear distinctly sixty yards away. When his ears were opened he thought it was so great that he had to stop the meeting and tell everybody about it. I met him in Oakland recently and he was hearing perfectly. As we remain steadfast and unmovable on the ground of faith, we shall see what we believe for in perfect manifestation. People say to me, have you not the gift of faith? I say that it is an important gift, but what is still more important is for us every moment to be making an advancement in God. Looking at the Word of God today I find, that its realities are greater to me today, and they were yesterday. It is the most sublime, joyful truth that God brings an enlargement. Always an enlargement. There is nothing dead, dry or barren in this life of the Spirit. God is always moving us on to something higher. And, as we move on in the Spirit, our faith will always rise to the occasion, as different circumstances arise. This is how the gift of faith is manifested. You see an object and you know that your own faith is nothing in the case. The other day I was in San Francisco. I sat on a car and saw a boy in great agony on the street. I said, let me get out. I rushed to where the boy was. He was in agony through cramp of the stomach. I put my hands on his stomach in the name of Jesus. The boy jumped and stared at me with astonishment. He found himself instantly free. The gift of faith dared in the face of everything. It is, as we are in the Spirit, that the Spirit of God will operate this gift anywhere and at any time. When the Spirit of God is operating this gift within the man, He causes him to know what God is going to do. When the man with the withered hand was in the synagogue, Jesus got all the people to look to see what would happen. The gift of faith always knows the results. He said to the man, Stretch forth thine hand. His word had creative force. He was not living on the line of speculation. He spoke, and something happened. He spake at the beginning and the world came into being. He speaks today and these things have to come to pass. He is the Son of God and came to bring us into sonship. He was the first fruit of the resurrection and He calls us to be first fruits, to be the same kind of fruit, like to Himself. There is an important point here. You cannot have a gift by mere human desire. The Spirit of God distributes them severally as He will. God cannot trust some with the gift, but some who have a lowly, broken, contrite heart He can trust. One day I was in the meeting, where there were a lot of doctors, and eminent men, and many ministers. It was at a convention, and the power of God fell on the meeting. One humble little girl that waited at table opened her being to the Lord, and was immediately filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak in tongues. All these big men stretched their necks and looked up to see what was happening, and were saying, Who is it? Then they learned it was the servant. Nobody received but the servant. These things are hidden and kept back from the wise and prudent, but the little children, the lowly ones, are the ones that receive. We cannot have faith if we have honor one of another. A man who is going on with God won't accept honor from his fellow beings. God honors the man of a broken, contrite spirit. How shall I get there? So many people want to do great things, and to be seen doing them, but the one that God will use is the one that is willing to be hidden. My Lord Jesus never said he could do things, but he did them. When that funeral procession was coming up from Nain, with the widow's son carried upon the bier, he made them lay it down. He spoke the word, Arise, and gave the son back to the widow. He had compassion for her. And you, and I will never do anything except on the line of compassion. We shall never be able to remove the cancer until we are immersed so deeply into the power of the Holy Ghost that the compassion of Christ is moving through us. I find that, in all my Lord did, He said that He did not do it, but that another in Him did the work. What a holy submission! He was just an instrument for the glory of God. Have we reached a place where we dare to be trusted with the gift? I see in 1 Corinthians 13 that if I have faith to remove mountains and have not charity, all is a failure. When my love is so deepened in God that I only move for the glory of God, that I only seek the glory of God, then the gifts can be made manifest. God wants to be manifested and to manifest His glory to humble spirits. A faint heart can never have a gift. There are two things essential. First, love, and second, determination, a boldness of faith that will cause God to fulfill His Word. When I was baptized I had a wonderful time, and had utterance in the Spirit, but for some time afterwards I did not again speak in tongues. But one day as I was helping another, the Lord again gave me utterances in the Spirit. I was one day going down the road, and speaking in tongues a long while. There were some gardeners doing their work, and they stuck their heads out to see what was going on, I said, Lord, you have something new for me. You said that when a man speaks in tongues, he should ask for the interpretation. I ask for the interpretation, and I'll stay right here till I get it. And from that hour the Lord gave me interpretation. At one time I was in Lincolnshire in England, and came in touch with the old pastor of an Episcopalian church. He became much interested, and asked me into his library. I never heard anything sweeter than the prayer the old man uttered as he got down to pray. He began to pray, Lord, make me holy. Lord, sanctify me. I called out, wake up. Wake up now. Get up and sit in your chair. He sat up and looked at me. I said to him, I thought you were holy. He answered, yes. Then what makes you ask God to do what he has done for you? He began to laugh and then to speak in tongues. Let us move into the realm of faith and live in the realm of faith and let God have his way.